math and other things, listeners. This is Courtney Flesner, your host, and I am recording live from Washington, D.C. But tonight, I don't just have my better half, Ryan Flesner, with me. I also have Brendan Scribner and Melissa McCain. So give it up for Brendan and Melissa joining us tonight. <laughs> now, it is 10.37 right now while we're recording. We've been a little punchy. We're... Um, enjoying each other's company quite a bit and our conversation at dinner tonight started off with trying to figure out how far into the conference we were and this became a conversation about is it the number of days is it the number of hours how do we found the fractional parts and so we thought we would start this episode out with talking about a little bit of the math behind what part of the conference we're at right now yeah and i'm really thinking (laughs) Courtney, we're on day three, so we're, could we be three-fourths of the way through? Because tomorrow's the day, the fourth day, but I'm also starting to think about, um, well, how many hours? No, tomorrow's not the fourth day. Wait, it is. It is the fourth day. No, it's It's the fourth full day, or is it the fourth half day? It's It's not not a full day. It's the fourth day that something is happening. third full day plus one. It's the fourth day day. that we're in Washington, D.C., but it's not. A full day. I know. Wednesday, I was not here for the full day. Right. So, so it's not a full day. So if we get really serious, and since you are working at a booth in the yeah. exhibit yeah. hall, yeah. exemplars, Problem shout out, right? So the um, this, is this is what we did. So there, I got a number line. We have a number line <laughs> representation. Number line. I'm ready to represent. I'll, I'll try to maybe post a picture of that on Instagram if anybody cares to That's my sloppy copy rough draft. Thank you, Mandy Jansen. <laughs> but we um, decided that if the exhibit hall opened at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, then 4 o'clock on Thursday was Would the end of day one. Day one. So that's one unit. 24 hours. 24 hours a unit, but it... I thought a unit was 23 hours, 56 minutes, and about four seconds. No. Because a mean, day, because yes. we have those leap years. So, no. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So Wednesday to Thursday, four to four is one, one. day. 24 we, hours. Do we go from zero to one, or we call it one? We call it 24 hours. <laughs> wait a minute. So one is 24? Yes. One equal X equals twenty four. X? Wait, whoa! I thought we were dealing with Twitter. All right. Okay. So X equals twenty four. All right. I'm wondering how many other people had conversations like this over dinner. I think zero. <laughs> they have better things to talk about. I think I need some math therapy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let her know. Speaking we'll let of, her know. And I'm not even. Did na- you see that slope? <laughs> the slope of yeah. Vanessa? Yes. That uh-huh. eyeliner uh-huh. was and if you were, on you, fleek. Would you call it an asymptote? Oh, <laughs> what, is it a horizontal asymptote? What kind of asymptote is it? I mean, did you see it, Ryan? I saw the picture on Twitter. I did. Yeah. It's not very often that you get to see someone's um, slope <laughs> from their hotel room. So, Vanessa, math guru... <laughs> Um, and one of my takeaways from today, since we've moved away from unitizing this conference, uh, is Vanessa, the math guru, and how she launched today at 8 a.m. with really talking about math therapy and really thinking about um, data and the messages that are out there in our math world. And no matter how many days we have and how many minutes we have uh, in this conference at NCTM, 
Uh, the only way we're going to make a deep impact is that we all go back. We all go back to our classrooms and our schools and we think about the students that are in front of us. Um, and whatever slope they're on, we're going to uh, make their slope uh, gentler. <laughs> you know, but I really appreciate you saying that because I heard someone say that for them, and I don't know who this person was, but I'm imagining it was a teacher who's maybe at NCTM for the first time saying that they were struggling because they were thinking about all the things they were learning but not sure how to implement. Like, what do I do next? I need someone to tell me what to do next. And so I think that's an interesting, I think that goes back to like finding your people and having those conversations and brainstorming and figuring out what do you want to try, you know? So like, you know, if you, if you found something that you want to try, find someone to help you process that, even if it's someone that you're eating lunch with, you know, or whatever, so that you can have those conversations. And every time I hear Peter Lilydahl speak, mm -hmm. I think about grab a buddy and do some math. And so I know that when I'm thinking about how to implement, I can think about people like Courtney and Ryan Flesner. Yeah. I can think about Melissa McCain. I can think about a lot of people that I've met at this conference um, and other conferences. And it's the small conversations we have in the hallway. It's the small conversations in the exhibit hall. Yep. It's the small conversations we have at, uh, it's 1043 right. um, in a hotel. Um, and we're still thinking about that. Right. And I don't think that you're, it, and it doesn't even, maybe it's somebody that last night Ryan talked about sitting at a table with someone that you, you would, you don't know, but you get to hear from them and what they're thinking about and their interpretation. And so maybe it's someone that you're going to have a zoom with, you know, and, and carry on that conversation. And I know that's time consuming and that means things, but it's something to think about. There's also space to do it because we don't have the the regular drive of our day. So, so one great example that I'm going to build off for that is um, I did a presentation today and it was based on um, some coding that I had done that went along with Peter Lilliedahl's um, How We Grade in a Thinking Classroom. And after the session, there were many questions and it was great to hear what people's input was and what they were looking for out of the application there was one gentleman who hung out and hung out and hung out and then finally at the end he kind of waited his turn and we had talked and he 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 brought just an amazing idea of how to how to improve the spreadsheet and and something that he was willing to work on with us and collaborate with us but then he just completely turned the conversation and said so also I heard you were an instructional coach and I'm looking to be an instructional coach. Do you have tips for me on how I can move into that? And it was really, you know, you, you have to bite off sizes that you can find, you know, those, those um, small successes and then build on it and then more small successes and build on it until eventually people will notice and it will build up to a huge success. But just the conversation of, you know, he's coming to me to improve something that, that I'm passionate about and then asks for input to take him further in something that he's passionate about. It just that kind of connection all the way through yeah. the 
whether it's a, a third of the conference or a half of the conference, we're still undecided. Did you say it was 51, 69 and a half? I so think it's 50, uh, 51, 69 and a half and still ticking. Yes. <laughs> that numerator is changing. The denominator is not, though. Yes, no, yes. but I think that what I like about what you just said, Melissa, is that it um, – by him asking you that question, that helps you get better at what you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think you're saying that not only did Tim and yourself, Melissa, uh, prepare this presentation for two weeks, and in that you refined it constantly, but then in the presentation you had the opportunity to take input and ideas and refine someone else's ideas. There's, there's a rapid cycle that's happening. Presenters are not just sharing knowledge, but they're sharing knowledge that's rough draft, yes. unfinished. Unfinished thinking that every person who's attending your session, and I know Courtney and Ryan, you had a pre presentation today we yeah. don't need to talk about, that you, you're open as a presenter, vulnerable as a presenter, right. to think about the math community that's yeah. in front of you and how you can go further. Yeah, I think that what, some of my work is behind instructional leadership and what is instructional leadership. And that, the thing is, is we're all instructional leaders. I actually, one person that I interviewed for my early inquiry work, what, whatever, I don't, you don't need to know any of that, but. I want to know all of Okay, that. we'll talk about that another time. You have seven but minutes. <laughs> she, I remember her saying to me, aren't teachers instructional leaders to their students? And I'm an instructional, she was a district administrator. I'm an instructional leader to teachers, but my instructional leaders are different people. And so I think if we all position ourselves as someone who is learning, we're be, that's what leadership is. I, I couldn't agree more that leadership has nothing to do with your assigned role. Yep. It's the mindset that you're in or your with degree. your opportunities. Or definitely not a degree. Mm -mm. Yeah. So is it like your openness, openness. to all of the ideas? Yeah. And so when you're a presenter, you're coming with information that you know or that you've thought about or that you've worked with or you've done with students or teachers or whatever. But again, if, if you position yourself as saying, like, I could learn something in this room today even though I'm the one here to, to give this knowledge, that's just going to make you that much better in the end. And you're How impactful even down to the core of the classroom teacher working with students. Exactly. To, to know that I can learn something from my students. Right open to feedback mm -hmm. even as a presenter as a classroom teacher as a coach as an instructional leader as a college professor ryan you had a presentation today with a really powerful speaker uh, courtney <laughs> flesner i don't know if everybody out there knows who courtney flesner is but ryan flesner co-presented with you today and do you want to talk about something from your presentation today yeah it was really fun to be in the room because courtney and i have actually done that presentation in different forms over the years, but this was kind of different because we were specifically working with a pre-K through two audience. And so we got to look at some data that I've looked at hundreds of times, but yep. being in a room with people that I didn't know who had never seen the data before, the questions they had and the things they were yep. noticing just brought me back as if it was a new piece of data that I had never seen before because they just have different ways of thinking about things than I do. And so it makes you wonder if you're a teacher who just kind of closes your door and does their thing, you're only gonna see what you are prepped to see. And so it's just being in this space, being in this place where you have time to think and you don't have the pressures of the everyday right. 
that you can take a deep breath and say, wow, I'm thinking about things in a completely different way than I was thinking about it 30 minutes ago. Right. But you also just pointed out something really interesting. That was another conversation that we had at dinner. Although now I can't remember. We were at dinner with my colleague, all of our colleagues, but my very close colleague, Jeff Harker, and his wife. And we were talking about um, research. Weren't we? We were always talking about research, yeah. Courtney. <laughs> research is the backbone of the educator, at Courtney some, Flessner. <laughs> at some point today, I was talking about what is research and how anybody can get something published. Let's just be very super clear that you can literally pay certain journals to have your writing published. And if it's published in a journal and that's going to become the definition of research-based, we have, we have a lot of questions and thoughts about that. My point in even bringing that up is Ryan saying, the work that we use today, the student work, was his dissertation work. It was his student samples from his dissertation work. And him saying, the people in the audience that were in, in um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? So uh, they they were analyzing the research. Thank you, Brendan. Yeah, and they uh, it was prepped. Ryan had his own sort of biased view of that research from all of his yeah. thinking, but he was able to uh, elicit thinking from everyone that was yeah. in your presentation. And see new things that he'd yeah. never seen before yeah. or look at the student work from a completely different yeah. point of view. And also things that just seemed commonplace every day to me. People were shocked by them, and I, I didn't, they aren't even surprising to me because I've seen it so much, and I knew the routines, and I knew the kids, so it was just what we did on a daily basis. But they could, they could see something totally right. shocking that they had never seen before. Yeah. But I think that's a really good message to presenters, that you have great information. If you actually have solid research and you're sharing it, that is awesome. But there's just, there, listen to what other people have to say. It's, it's not done. Your research isn't done. It's not done. It's unfinished. Our friend, uh, all of our friend, uh, Chase Orton yeah. from uh, Oregon, who I know lives in a van um, called Stoop. I'm just going to say Chase. Um, Chase wrote a wonderful book, The Imperfect and Unfinished Teacher. And in many ways, when we enter this space, as Ryan called it, the space of NCTM, we are unfinished educators looking mm. for something. And sometimes it's imperfect. We're imperfect. And it's sometimes it's an emotional connection with peers. Sometimes it's social. Sometimes intellectual. Sometimes we're just looking to occupy physical space. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ryan today with Courtney uh, presented in a way that they occupied all those spaces and they took feedback. And I know um, Melissa and Tim presented today in the same way. And they invited feedback from others. And and for hours after, which is above, it's like 52, 69 and a half, <laughs> um, hours after they thought about where are we in this conference and our journey of learning. Yeah, I think, I think the really sad part would be when, when as an educator, I felt like I, I was finished and I, I couldn't, mm -hmm. like I had no room for that feedback. Like, I... I would feel sad as an educator because if you can't keep growing, like, what what good is there? Like, why? I would, yeah. Why why continue? It's it's that hope of, of always doing better and better. And we're so often stuck inside our four walls as classroom educators. Yeah. We're so uh, inside these spaces of listening to our own voice, listening to our own thoughts, 
listen to our students' thoughts. And we need these moments where yeah. we break out. And I'm, uh, it's a pleasure yeah. to be here with Courtney and Ryan and Melissa yep. and everyone that I met today um, and have a chance to bounce ideas and, and grow. Right. And I think that if, I, I think that, I think it's, I think it's okay to feel comfortable, to be like, you know what? I teach fourth grade. I've been doing it for 20 years. I like what I do. I'm good. I think, I think that's okay. But I think that it's important to remember that the fourth graders that you're teaching now are not the same fourth graders you were teaching 20 years ago. Oh gosh, they're not. They're like 20 years older, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> they're like really old. They're like, they're like, they're like my colleagues. Matter of fact, I have a couple in my school. <laughs> Give a shout out to Sarah. <laughs> they're wicked old and they have kids. I'm doing my best Canadian accent. Oh, that's good. That's Even good. though, we're, where are we? We're in DC. <laughs> no, but my point, like we have to grow with the times, yes, right. And so, be comfortable, but position yourself as someone willing to try something new. Well, That's, it even came up in Steve Weinborn's session today. I mean, who, by the way, I tagged wrong on Twitter. Well, I well, I understand. Did you like splat him? <laughs> you have a you have a no. second chance. You can you can tag him again today. I misspelled the name. I thought I was an expert. Well, wait I a didn't minute. even check. You're, you're still you're more of a novice. You're imperfect. <laughs> you're imperfect. The thing that was cool about his presentation was that he was showing activities that many people in the room had already used. Like he would say, "How many people have done this activity?" and half the room would raise their hand, and he would still bring up something new about it. But the best part of his entire presentation was a slide that he showed that had confused some kids. And so the entire class had written letters to him saying why the slide was wrong and why they thought that it was wrong. And they justified what had happened. And so he had to decide, am I going to fix the slide or am I going to change the slide to make it gel with their understanding? And that's what he did. He actually went onto his slide deck and changed it in the way that the kids told him to change it. It was so cool that this person who, I mean, puts out so many amazing resources for teachers had one slide wrong. Kids totally found it, like kids are going to do. And he just took that feedback with such grace and said, you want yeah. to know what, I'm going to honor their thinking and, and use their idea. But, you know, and I, I'm also thinking about you, Ryan, went to Courtney Baker and Melinda so Knapp's great. session this morning who have a new book out published by NCTM called Proactive Coaching. Proactive Mathematics Coaching, yep. Pro, and and um, I, I've known Courtney and Melinda for a little bit and had a chance to work and think alongside them. So... When they were on Ryan's list of people to see, I was like, yeah, you got to go see them. So they they do such an awesome job really thinking about how to coach people. You, yeah. Melissa, should get that book. Okay. You would really like it. It's on my list. <laughs> so when you're entering this coaching sphere, give me some advice. Yeah. Give me some advice. What would what's Courtney your, and Melinda say? What's your first move? Well, they started out with a huge question for today, their guiding question. Or they talked about this guiding question of, is what I'm doing effective? Which seems like a pretty normal question to ask, but then they add on that tagline, and who is it effective for? Wait, is what I'm doing as a coach effective? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and so, so it was specifically a, a conversation about coaching, right? So the idea was, is, am I being an effective coach? But then who am I being effective for? Am I effective for myself as a coach? Am I effective for the teacher or the teachers that I'm working with? Is this really translating to the kids and making an impact on them? Like, as soon as they asked that question, I just thought of so many different ways that you would have to take that and have to constantly be thinking about like what's my perspective here who am I thinking about and how do I use that in a way that's going to be impactful for children and at its core 
And it, I love it, Ryan, because it's like, who is this for? Yeah. Who is the coaching for? Who is it for the students? Is it for the teachers? Is it for teacher growth? Is it for student growth? Obviously, it's probably for all. It, you would hope. And you would hope. And it, is it for the system? Um, but where do you start? And there are so many avenues. Like, uh, there could be four teachers at a grade level, and they could all need a different avenue. Yeah. And so... Well, I, th I think th this conversation is extremely interesting and um, very fluent in our district in Franklin Community Schools right now because, uh, Courtney, I think you're right, I am going to have to get this book. One of our main conversations is as we, we've had a push over the last year to move more from teacher-centered to student-centered coaching, which I 100% agree with. But when you look at the teachings behind it, sometimes some of the teachings will do a drastic shift of everything you do is focused slow, solely on the success of the students, which is where we want it. But as an instructional coach outside, I think we have to value and respect the, the teacher and their role in that. And they're not they're not um, a barrier to go through to get to student success. They're that collaboration that we need to understand better in order to move on to the student success. And so sometimes you have to do that relationship building with the teacher and figure out what, what are this, what is the teacher need from me? Because without going through the teacher, you're not going to get to the students. Yeah, and I the the really cool thing that Courtney and Melinda say is that their framework works with what like if you're doing Diane Sweeney, if you're doing Jim Knight, if you're doing some kind of combination of having been trained by them or whatever it might be. And I just happen to know who you you've had conversations yes. with Jessica Miller, so I know how you're hearing about that. That this framework will work. It's not it's not a it's not a defined coaching cycle. Yes. But it, it works with it is a coaching it cycle. Is a coaching part cycle. Of right. Their cycle. Right. It's cool. Interesting. I will be getting that book. Thank you. Yeah. It's sold out. The whole first shipment of the book sold out. They just got a new shipment in this morning and people were buying stacks of them at a time. I'm not going to really lie. Cool. Watching Courtney Baker, she helped me with my um one of my papers for my qualifications exams for my dissertation I'll never forget sitting in a parking lot talking to her on the phone like trying to grab 10 minutes of her time to get some questions answered about math specialists cool. and um, she's just so wonderful and sitting there watching her sign books and like she looked up at me and she smiled she's like this is so cool <laughs> and I'm like you work so hard Not like hard. you so I think that, and, and it's legitimately good work. This is, this is not a book that was written in five months to get put on the shelves. This has been years of actual research and work and thinking. And a, and a big part of, I think, what we're talking about is this idea of a math specialist, mm -hmm. thinking about impact, thinking about how we impact um, not only students and thinking, but teachers and thinking and systems and thinking. And every person that I have seen at NCTM yep. is a math specialist. Yeah. Every person, when I See? go back to schools, is a math specialist. They're experts. Yeah. And how do how do we, how do we in our listening community out there and uh, as a collective group of educators help lift each other up and engage in productive practices that 
lead to growth, growth for us in our community, yep. from teacher to teacher, administrator to administrator, administrator to teacher, student to student, student to teacher. I could go on. Yeah. Do you want me to keep talking? No, but Because we're at like 52 and a half. <laughs> 69, 69 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep unitizing no, this, No, but I like that, though, and I think that's about perspective. Yep. Right? So you, if you are a math specialist. You have a lot of things going on. When I was in um, the counting collections, uh, session today. I'm with Jenna Leib. Yes, I love it. We, I we saw had her. a conversation I, before uh, this about messing up the pronunciation of names, and we're just right. gonna put a disclaimer that we are Jenna not perfect. Is awesome. Jenna's I saw her amazing. in uh, Portland, Maine. Yep. in a small conference room. So yep. she's a delight. Go. Yep. And Kessia Whitakin wrote their um, or did their session on counting collections and freedoms, practicing freedoms, and so they they had really cool. I, I wrote this all down on like helping the kids like the the freedoms of the kids are practicing so like which collection are they going to choose what tools are they going to use to count who are they going to work with things like that and questions that came up for me from my perspective is i'm trying to get teachers to do counting collections in their classrooms and what's holding them back is how do i organize the materials how do i organize the tools how do i organize the, the kids to think about the tools that they're collecting so that's a whole other list of freedom of freedoms that we as in my math specialist role i have to think about while i'm thinking about why i want them doing it for the kids mm -hmm. there's right? a but courtney i've got to push back on this because <laughs> i'm thinking about if counting collections is my goal i could be a compliance monster and i could spend every sunday night as a teacher bagging things and counting them and making sure I have tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds mm -hmm. um, of a variety of things or I could engage my students in this process sure. and they could become the collective owners and doers of the math. I told and they can find the tools if you say I, I need to make a set of ten how am I gonna how, how can you organize this let's go get the yeah. paper plates that we used to do the craft yesterday yes yeah. yes but that takes coaching. Oh. To help a teacher understand that you don't have to be the one that makes all those it, decisions. I thought it just takes courage. <laughs> and that. Courage, <laughs> willingness to fail. No, you're right. Willingness to let the freedom of student choice enter your classroom I, space. You're right. Back to Ryan's idea of space. Um, we, we need to invite the no, learners. No, you're totally right. Okay. But I mean, that takes coaching. I like being right. It does, but I'm also going to interject here for a second that it's hard to convince teachers to give students freedom of choice when they don't feel like they have their own freedom to choose. Like, What's the barrier? What's well, the barrier? sometimes it's perceived and sometimes it's real. Yeah, that was so well put. Thank you. What was happening in my head was a little bit snarkier. Go, give me snarky. No, give me snarky. I like snarky. No, no, we're not being on, snarky. Flesner. I want everyone to see me as a non-snarky person. All right, non-snarky Flesner. We can invite Ryan into this conversation. <laughs> uh, this is a professional. <laughs> right. Well, I'll I'll give an example of um, once again back to the presentation that I was able to give today with Tim Brzezinski. Um, we were talking about the movement from. Um, events-based grading to outcomes-based grading and just real in short the events based being everything based on tests and quizzes which include failures when we're our what we're taxed with is 
finding mastery, but with the system that we're using, we're really focusing on, on the failures and the failures are getting in the way, which we all know a kid fails a test in the first two weeks. It's really hard to overcome that and there's, there's not really those avenues. So we're talking about how we can help teachers move towards that outcome-based grading and, and how they can look at many opportunities for assessing mastery um, as they go throughout the day and it doesn't have to be an, a test and a quiz but one of the reoccurring questions that I've gotten is okay so my my school says that I have to wait tests this much and quizzes this much and homework this much and everything they list is an, an events based um, item instead of a, um, a like an actual looking for mastery in the outcome and so they feel like they don't they don't have the opportunity to have choice in that and talk to their own building administration so they can't really pass that choice on to their own students yeah that's that's a good example so we're getting kicked out of our space it's like an events based item like we're in a space and we need criteria of quitting time. And the yeah. outcomes are unclear. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're being rushed to a solution. And which... who, who's, who are we being assessed by? Uh, I think Our, the property. Ourselves, <laughs> our audience, uh, yes. or the guy with the name tag and the fancy suit. He had a very nice suit. Was it purple or blue? I think it was navy blue. Navy blue? Yeah. Or, he looked very official. Or could it be that we're approaching three-fourths of the I of the I think we're getting close to 53, 69 I, and a half. But, you know, I'm going to say one thing. I, I really like the conversation we had about math specialists, and I ju I'm going to give a shout-out to Skip Fennell. Mm, who definitely. was the presenters at the ignite were awesome and i made i made notes on everyone but i i have a, there's a special place in my heart for him because of how much work he has done for math education for 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 the work behind the common core and and getting the standards close to where they should be and his position paper on math specialists, the whole bit. And he stood on that stage tonight and he said, you gotta fight the fight, you gotta put your gloves on, you gotta keep going, and I'm turning it over to you. Like, that's yeah. what he said tonight. And yeah. I think that that's, that's our work, you know? And so we have to decide how we're going to move forward with that and, and honor him who's done such great work for NCTM and, and all of us. So let's have high standards as we wrap up NCTM. Mm -hmm. I, is today, tomorrow, day four? Oh I'm still confused. It will be the seventy. I think it's like day three and hour. a half or something. Right? But no matter what your standard is, what your unit is, uh, turn to a buddy, think about math, yep. grow together. Um, thank you, Ryan and Courtney, for allowing me and my Melissa, my bu math buddy here. I have no say. It's all Courtney. It's all Courtney. Wait a minute. Yay, Courtney. It's my microphone. She did bring the microphone. <laughs> it's a really nice microphone. It, it might have you, picked up some sidebar some noises. Sidebar is probably uh, why yeah. we have to go. Yeah. But if you couldn't hear someone well enough, it's because they weren't leaning in. Oh, my <laughs> No matter what you do tomorrow, <laughs> lean in. Yeah. Lean in. All right. Thanks for being here, you guys. Yes, we're leaving. So there you have it. A short recap of our reflection after two-thirds-ish days of NCTM 2023. 
Special thanks to Brendan, Melissa, and Ryan for recording with me. This was such a fun and thoughtful conversation, and I loved hearing all of our thoughts come together in such a beautiful way. Now, to be clear, I don't have a portable podcasting station, just a microphone, so the sound isn't always perfect, and that's okay, because we are imperfect and always learning, right? There's also some background noise as we attempted to find a quiet room at the hotel to record, but ended up being told we weren't supposed to be there. So then we were told to leave. Didn't you love the cameo by the important hotel person at the end? And all of this happened while Melissa was talking about grading, which is an important topic. So if you need any clarification about her thoughts, just contact her. Again, I'm tagging everyone we mentioned in the show notes because of all of their knowledge and we'll try to tag on Twitter too. Still feels awkward, but it's important they know how much we appreciate them. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Keep Indiana Learning for making this podcast possible and making it possible for me to be here in D.C. And thank you to all the teachers. I'm here to learn because I want to learn how to support teachers, coaches, and administrators in all they do. Cheers to a great NCTM annual conference. And we're so lucky because we still have one third-ish left to attend.